0: Well, it seems very appropriate that the title of what we are coming to look at today is about God empowering us to share the gospel, because I don't know how you feel, but I hear stories like John T. has shared with us uh, and see the sacrifice that people are willing to make in light of sharing the gospel, and I think, gosh, could I ever do that? Could I do that? Uh, And um, I I was reflecting, even as we think about sharing the gospel with people around us, we don't find it easy. And what I want to do is, I showed this clip first, I think it was about five years ago, uh, and I I think it's well worth another look at um, seeing uh, what actually sharing the gospel can feel a bit like for us. Excuse me, can you help me? I've just come from the park. Someone just came up and took off with my dog. Right, yes, hold on a minute, madam. Uh, George, there's a lady here who says she's looking for uh, eternal salvation in the Lord. (laughs) I didn't say that. I said someone came up and took off with my dog. Right, scratch that, George. She's changed her mind. (laughs) Dog, you say, madam. Right, what's its name? It's a she. She is called Jess. Jess. Right, so that's J E S -S U S. -S. (laughs) No, she's called Jess, and you've just written Jesus. So I Still, it's a lovely word, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. He died for all our sins, you know, madam. Oh, uh, right, sorry, madam. So you say you were in the park when you lost Stirl and Jessie? Right. Would that be the park by the church, madam? <laughs> no, the one by the lake. Yeah, but you can see the Church of Our Lady from there, no, can't you, madam? Can you? In that case, madam, would you have been able to hear the faithful singing from there? Something like this? Kumbaya, my lord, kumbaya. kumbaya. Would you have been able to hear anything like that, madam? Um, I, I suppose so. Hmm. And if you had heard it, how loudly would they have been singing? Would it have been sort of... Kumbaya, lord, kumbaya. Or more sort of... Oh, my lord, kumbaya, lord, <laughs> Hmm? they had been singing, from where <laughs> I was, um, it would have been about as loud as, um... Kumbaya, my lord, kumbaya. <laughs> kumbaya, <laughs> kumbaya, <laughs> kumbaya, my lord, kumbaya. Oh, lord, come by come for the lordless. Could be, uh, Hallelujah. <laughs> Uh, And actually, I mean, that makes me laugh when I see it, but there's something that is quite profound about that, I think, for us, because we tend to think that actually if we're going to share something of our faith, if we're going to go and tell people the gospel, it's going to actually be to people who don't want to hear it. She's come to the police to report to them that somebody has stolen the dog. She isn't coming to hear about eternal salvation from the Lord. And we can feel like, actually, evangelism, sharing the gospel, talking to people, they're not going to want to know. Last week, Emma shared a great story with us, which was really profound as well, about how she felt a friend of hers wasn't going to want to hear the gospel message. And yet later, when somebody else shared that message, she discovered that she did. You know, but we have this feeling of actually what we've got is we've got a message. We know that it's good, but actually we don't really have great confidence that other people are going to want to hear it. They're caught up with other things. We're worried that sometimes we're just going to sound a little bit strange, um, maybe a bit fanatical, uh, and actually it's easier, therefore, not to say anything. Uh, And it's one of those things, it's almost like the elephant in the room. You ask us as Christians, do we know we should be sharing our faith, sharing the gospel? Of course we do. Uh, We believe it, uh, but actually we find it a hard thing to do when we're just in a normal conversation with people and we just think, should I be doing something more than this right now? And so it can seem a bit like mission is impossible. Sharing the gospel may seem impossible for us. And as we look at this reading and think about the context, I imagine what it was like for the early disciples, and perhaps that idea of sharing the gospel might have seemed impossible to them. The book of Acts opens in a way that we can forget the enormity of what has just happened in the days previously. Here are the disciples who have been following Jesus. They've given their lives, they've given up everything, they've left everything to follow him, Uh, and that's been okay. They've been learning things. He's their friend. He's their leader. But one night, after they have had a meal together to celebrate the Jewish Passover, suddenly everything goes wrong really quickly. Uh, And we get, those of us who've heard the story many times, can forget how suddenly everything changes. Uh, That one night, Jesus is suddenly arrested. And then the very next day, crucified. You know, all their hopes, all their dreams, what they've left their life for is suddenly torn away from them. It's like for us, remembering back to Friday night and everything being normal, and then suddenly, by Saturday, everything is completely wrong. It just changes like that. Uh, And then amazingly, of course, a few days later, three days later, Jesus appears to them. Jesus is alive. That's amazing. Uh, And actually, over the coming days, as Dr. Luke tells us in the opening verses of Acts, after his suffering, he, he, Jesus, showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And I can imagine in this time that... those mixture of feelings between being overjoyed that the Lord is with them, but also a little bit confused about what's going to happen. And as we know that Jesus is going to return to heaven, uh, and this is the passage that is called about Jesus being taken back up into heaven. Uh, And you can imagine the disciples there being delighted that Jesus is alive, perhaps knowing that he's going to go again. What happens next? What am I supposed to do in response to this. Uh, And actually, there comes this moment where Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then what is the response of the disciples? Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, Calvin, when he wrote about this, Said there are as many errors in this response as there are words. You know, what he's actually saying is, what the disciples are saying and showing is, they really do not get it. Jesus is telling them what's going to happen, and they say, Well, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel at this time? And they're talking about a political, uh, a geographical region, uh, and they're talking about political power and the splendor of the nation. Are you going to restore that? I, I was trying to think about what that's like. I mean, it just uh, let's say Jesus was incredibly impatient. I, I was thinking about how I would respond to people in that situation where you have spent 40 days telling them, teaching them everything that they need to know, and they still get it so wrong. And actually, if you think of it as a, as a business strategy, for anybody who's involved in business strategy, can you imagine having a new product and a conversation that maybe goes something like this? You're showing them the product and it's, it's a new phone. I haven't brought my phone with me in today, but they're showing a new phone and they're describing to the people who are going to go out and sell this phone all the amazing things that this phone can do. You can get onto the internet, you can use these apps, you can do this, that and the other. This phone is truly amazing. Uh, and they listen to all of that and then say, are we going to give them a computer stone as well? It's just like, but no, this phone, it, it does the things that you want them to be able to do. You don't get it, do you? Would you send them out to sell that product for you? No, you'd wait until they got it. Jesus is going to send out his disciples, even though they don't get it. It seems like it's an impossible thing to happen. But actually, what we discover is that God empowers us to share the gospel. And so the first thing that I want to say today is this. You may be here thinking, I really don't know how I can offer to serve God and to share the gospel for him in a way that is really meaningful. I'm not sure that I even understand everything well enough. Sometimes I walk around in confusion saying, God, what on earth are you doing here? My life seems a mess. It doesn't seem like things are working out. How could I possibly be somebody who could share the gospel? And what I want to say to you today is God uses people who are completely ill-equipped, who are those who don't get it. He uses the confused, He uses those who mess up again and again to be the people who share his gospel, because it isn't down to us and our abilities, it's down to him and the power that he shares with us. And it may be that God uses the people who are the most confused and the most messed up and the people who don't get it most of all because they are the ones who are most open to the power of the Lord coming and working through us rather than trying to do it in our own strength. And so I just want to encourage you today. God has a call on your life to work for His kingdom and to share the gospel. And if you feel confused, if you feel you've messed up too many times, if you feel completely ill-equipped, good. Good. Because that's when the power of God can come and change things to give you the strength to share the gospel. And the mission impossible becomes mission possible. Second thing, That I want to share is this, great witnesses are required. I I like the story I heard of um, a man who came up before a judge accused of a crime Uh, and the judge noticed that he didn't have a lawyer Uh, and so he said to the man, have you got a lawyer? And the man said, no, I can't afford a lawyer and the judge said to him, don't worry, we will get you a really good lawyer. And the man thought for a moment, and he said to the judge, look, if you're going to spend money on this, it's not really a great lawyer that I need. What I need are some great witnesses. Can you spend the money on that instead? You know, this idea, can I bribe people to to be the witness? What I need more than anything is great witnesses. And this is what Jesus needs and comes to. He says this, In response to their question, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's telling them that your calling is actually going to be people who are going out. Uh, And we can read in Acts Some of this beginning to happen. You see chapters 1 to 7, really the center of what's taking place is in Jerusalem. And then chapters 8 to 12, it goes through Judea and Samaria. And then when we get to chapter 13, we see the gospel being taken out to different places in the world. But what is significant here? Those of you that have been around in church regularly this year, will hopefully have picked up that we have a verse of the year that is shaping the things that we are doing. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's the heart of what we're looking at. You know, the last words recorded by Jesus according to Matthew... And now here we have the last words of Jesus according to Dr. Luke. And look at what the emphasis is on it. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The last thing that Jesus tells his people, the most important thing that they need to know, is that they are to go and tell people. That's the most important thing. And that's the challenge for us. Do we really get it, not just up here, but so that it affects our lives? I sometimes wonder if in the culture that we have today, Western culture, and I'm not talking particularly about people here, but I'm talking about the church in the West. Have we come at times to make coming to church on Sunday the most important thing that is our response to our Christian faith? Have we made it that we're so centered on coming to a place to worship God that we forget that actually, that's great, that's really important, that's essential, don't mishear me on that. We must do that. But actually what we're doing is we're coming here to be empowered to go out and serve God. It's a bit like otherwise having a car where all you do with it is take it to the garage and you never go anywhere else to fill up with petrol. That's all you do with your car. What's the point of that? It's not about that. You fuel your car to go out in lots of different places. And actually, when we come together and gather in church, it's to fuel us to go out so that we can share the gospel. And the question that I have to ask myself is, what does that look like for me this week? Because I love coming here and being part of this time with everyone on a Sunday, that's great. And it does need to fuel me and fire me, but my real task begins at the end of this time together with how I live out my faith during the rest of the week. Let me just ask you this question for you to reflect on. What does it mean for you to be a great witness this week? What does it mean for you when you go out of this place. the last thing that I want to say with this is about the importance of prayer. You see, if we're going to go and do that, we need to be empowered. And the empowerment comes from the Holy Spirit. As we follow this story of what happens for these early disciples, we see something very important. After Jesus is taken up into heaven, we didn't read this part, but when we carry on into verse 14 of chapter 1, this is what we read. They all joined together constantly in prayer. They all joined together constantly in prayer. You see, we shouldn't lose sight that when the day of Pentecost comes, a little bit later, 10 days later, after the ascension that it comes from the backdrop of the disciples and the other women that it tells us about in the Scripture, gathering together constantly in prayer. You know, this is why I say, don't let's ever forget the importance of meeting together to pray, to worship God, that's really important because that fires us up. And that is the place where the Holy Spirit begins to move. And it's the Holy Spirit who comes on us in power that so inspires us to go out that we are willing to do things that we wouldn't otherwise do. It wouldn't happen that Pastor Thomas uh, and the doctors in Shad, I can't remember their names offhand, but they wouldn't go there If they hadn't at some point been meeting with other Christians, if they hadn't been praying, if they hadn't felt the Holy Spirit convict them, challenge them to go out and serve him in this way, they wouldn't be there now. And and what we need to understand is it's like when Jesus says, you will start in Jerusalem, it will go to Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. That's your calling, but it starts in the place that you are now. And for us, we need to understand that it starts in the place where we are now. If we are going to have the power to go out and serve God. It's not through us, it's through him. And if we're going to do that, we need to be people who come together to pray together, to worship God together so that we are inspired with this idea that it isn't just about prayer for the sake of it and worship for the sake of it. What we're seeking is the Holy Spirit power to come upon us that we will do God's work in his kingdom in this place. And it starts here in Norwich. It starts in the place where we go to work. It starts in the homes that we live in. It starts in the neighbors and with our friends and with the hobbies that we have. This is where we are empowered to go out and to share. We need to be praying together. Donald shared earlier on about the fact that we've got a week of 24-7 prayer coming up, September the 30th to October the 6th. You know, this is so important that we are a praying church and we're praying together. And I think generally we are good at interceding to the Lord for different things, and that, that's great. Sometimes that's, that's prayer that is okay. I wonder how good are we, how committed are we to coming together and saying, we want to pray for the mission that God has for us as individuals and as a church. And I know, don't get me wrong, I know there are people who are fantastic at it, but one of the things I felt myself being challenged about as I was reflecting on this is, do I do enough of praying with other people that we're really seeking the Lord's mission and his empowerment and the filling of the Holy Spirit together so that we can go out and share who he is. You know what happened for them? Let me remind you of what it says, verse 14. They all joined together once a month, once a year, every now and again when they felt like it not what it says they all join together constantly in prayer now I don't mean that think that we can do 24 hours of prayer each one of us every day you know that's impossible of course but what are we contributing how hungry are we and that's what I felt like I needed to challenge myself with this week as I was reading it just say look wherever I'm at that's okay But am I hungry enough for the next part of what the Lord is saying? Because it's only when we are hungry for that, when we are seeking him in prayer, that we will experience the power that he longs to give to us. And he does. That's the good news. If you want good news for this, we're not on our own. We don't have to do things in our strength. Lord will empower us with the Holy Spirit. How hungry are we for that? Because it's then that mission is not impossible, but mission becomes possible. It's then that it can snowball from doing something here in Norwich to moving out to the very ends of the earth. That's how it begins to happen. And each of us has a role. All of us can pray. All of us can give. And all of us actually have to go. It may not be to Chad or to North Korea or to Indonesia or to these kind of places, but we're called to go. We're called to go out through these doors to give the good news of the kingdom to those that we meet. Let me just finish with a story. Again, I've shared it before, but not for a long time now, I don't think, in the morning. I love this story, though, about Jesus returning to heaven. And the angel Gabriel approaches him and says, Master, you must have suffered terribly for men down there. I did, he said. And continue, Gabriel, do they know all about how you loved them and what you did for them? Oh, no, said Jesus. Not yet. Right now, only a handful of people in Palestine know. Gabriel was perplexed. Then what have you done to let everyone know about your love for them? Jesus said, I've asked Peter, James, John, and a few more friends to tell other people about me. Those who are told will in turn tell other people, and my story will be spread to the furthest reaches of the globe. Ultimately, all of mankind will have heard about my life and what I have done. Gabriel frowned and looked rather sceptical. He knew well what poor stuff people were made of. Yes, he said, but what if Peter and James and John grow weary? What if the people who come after them forget? Haven't you made any other plans? Jesus answered, I have no other plans. I'm counting on them. And he counts on you and me to be people who will pray, who will give, who will go for his kingdom glory and he will give us the power to do so. Amen.